football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports uh, Welcome along here we are World Cup halfway stage just about to go halfway stage whenever it's full time it is full time between Portugal and Uruguay so we've just passed the halfway stage in the World Cup games played on day 8 2-0 win for Portugal Bruno Fernandes with both goals despite uh, Ronaldo initially thinking he may have had a more than a hand in the first but it was Fernandez's cross Ronaldo didn't quite get ahead on the ball so 2-0 win for Portugal Uruguay in big trouble you would think for this brilliant generation that could be that really on the international stage South Korea 2 Ghana 3 from earlier on in Group H so Ghana in very promising shape ahead of their final game against Uruguay and then Group G we had a thriller earlier on Cameroon 3 Serbia 3 and of course Brazil via Casemiro Volley 1-0 winners against Switzerland just uh, mentioning ahead of the games tomorrow we will by the way on Brazil talk to Tim Vickery later on in the hour tomorrow as well as Wales against England there is USA against Iran Uh, not the best friends obviously uh, down the years no formal diplomatic relations since 1980 there is a fairly fraught dynamic and things have ratcheted up this afternoon so it stems I think from US Twitter feed they showed a picture of the group standings and when it came to the Iranian flag they had the horizontal green white and red but they had removed the Islamic Republic emblem they just taken that off the flag Uh, they said in support of the protesters in Iran Iranian government as you might imagine, did not take this well. They called on FIFA to expel USA from the tournament, which hasn't happened. The US coach, Greg Berhalter, he uh, tried to apply some coolant to the situation in his media dealings. He was saying, well, look, neither I nor the players had any knowledge of this. There's a social media team. We look after the football. No offence intended, etc. Carlos Quiroz uh, turned from Jurgen Klinsmann to the US and I guess in his press conference he was talking about how well, you're not so perfect either. So he said, when it comes to human rights, we've solidarity with causes all over the world, whoever they are. If you talk human rights, well, there's racism. There are kids dying at schools from shooting. We have solidarity with all. So that was Kiroz's take on the US. And then we headed to the US press conference. So we had, once again, Burhalter, the US coach, and we had the US captain, Tyler Adams. And so at a certain stage, Adams had been expressing support of some kind or other for the Iranian protesters and the Iranian press corps uh, for, <laughs> well, they took Adams and Berhalter to task on several issues. Uh, so, for instance, just to give you a flavour at this rather striking press conference, have a listen. You say you support the Iranian people, but you're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? And uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement uh, over the past few years. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, Yeah, that being said, 
you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, you know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures, is that in the U.S. we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. I grew up in a, in a white family with an obviously an African-American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures and I, I was very, very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So, um, you know, not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of, of your country. So, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process. I think as, as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. So Tyler Adams there pretty deftly handling the tricky-ish situation, but it just kept going on in that vein. For instance, the restrictive uh, visa situation in the States. Burhalter, the coach, was asked about that and he said, look, I'm not an expert in our visa situation. And another question, for instance, the last one, just to give you flavour, as somebody said, sport is something that should bring nations closer together, dot, dot, dot. So why is it you haven't asked your government to take away its military fleet from the Persian Gulf? Uh, this was <laughs> the nature of the uh, press conference conversation. Pat Nevin with us. Evening. Good evening, Joe. How are you doing? Uh, I hope you've got a, a good enough uh, link to me here. It's not the best uh, best situation, um, but I think we can hopefully hear each other. We can. You're coming across very well. Kevin Kilban talked to us from a metro earlier on, so you're positively um, perfect by comparison. <laughs> yeah, um, well, uh, we just sat and watched the last game here. You mentioned the the game before, the 3-3 game. I was at that game today and uh, it was brilliant. And it just kind of summed up that, what this World Cup is like. It's rotten being a pundit. Give you have no idea what's going to happen next. It's all over the place. I was convinced when Serbia scored the third goal today, that was it. Game over, finished. No chance at all. And then with 10 minutes to go, I'm thinking, Serbia are going to lose this. Um, so it's been like that all the way through the tournament. So in terms of the football, it's been great. However... There's one or two other things going on as we hear from the Iranians uh, and the Americans. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be worth tuning in for tomorrow. We'll come to that off-field stuff maybe in due course. On Cameroon 3, Serbia 3 and these other games which have been difficult to predict, why do you think we've had this kind of evening out of standards across these World Cup teams? (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Well, number one... um, Certainly being in the middle of European seasons will have some effect. Um, you know, a lot of players do. When you get tired, you make mistakes. It's a wee bit harder to play at a high tempo. And some of the teams that have uh, had those great results, such as Japanese, and I know there's quite a few of them in Germany, the Saudi Arabians, etc., they've been able to play at an incredibly high pace. In Morocco, another one, they beat Belgium. Um, and that can, that can get you a long way. That can get you a very, very long way. So I, I, I was expecting one or two slight upsets but it's been even more than I suspected uh, the other thing is we're in the Middle East here and it's different it's a home tournament for the North African uh, countries and certainly the Middle Eastern countries as well uh, when I'm in the stadium I was in the stadium the other day for I was doing the Iran versus Wales game and honestly complete and utter home game total home game oh sorry Saudi Arabia I mean um, total and utter home game it was phenomenal Actually, there are too many games at the moment. You get mixed up with them all. It was Wales and Iran, wasn't it? And uh, the Iranians were absolutely brilliant. But it, it wasn't hard to be brilliant, although all they are going through just now. But the support behind them was incredible. But you have to keep your eyes out on everything, right? 
first of all, they stunk the place out against England, but understandably, because I think the players were under a lot of pressure. And then when I was watching the game, and I know how passionate the Iranian fans are. I mean, I was at the last Iran versus USA game in the World Cup. I was at the last one. Um, and I know how passionate they are. And as the game was kicking off, the place was empty. There was no Iranians in the stadium. And then five minutes in the game, it was utterly mobbed. And it took me a few minutes to figure out what was going on. And of course, the Iranians wouldn't go in with their own national anthem playing in case they were spotted by, obviously, the, the kind of secret police that are in there uh, or spotted on camera not singing. So there's all sorts of things going on there. But when they came in, they made it sound like a, a home game. And, and that makes it makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. How are you finding the experience out there generally? Um, maybe unsurprisingly, not like we were told it was going to be. But then it's exactly what I found when I went to Brazil. Exactly what I found in Russia. And it's exactly what we found uh, when I've got here. Um, it's Look, we know the background. We know the problems. Um, it's it's a cultural thing, but it's a religious thing as well uh, that people are complaining about. Um, it's certainly a governmental thing. Uh, you could go around in circles forever uh, talking about the rights and wrongs of every regime in the world. Uh, but as you walk around this place, before you came you thought there'd be secret police walking about pointing at people not having shorts below their knees and asking women to cover up and all the rest of it. Nobody bats an eyelid. Absolutely nobody bats an eyelid. And it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel like they're doing it specially for this moment. Um, when I meet some of the expats, I meet quite a lot of the expats around here, and they just say, they can't believe what people you know, in the West have been told about what this country is like just to move around normally. Um, and it's, I mean, it feels incredibly safe. Look, I'm saying all this just now because we take for granted the downsides, right? We take for granted. That's a given and it's accepted, right? But when you go to any country, you have a look at their culture, you understand what has to be accepted or what you disagree with. Um, and what I've seen is unbelievable amounts of cultures, as ever, get together and actually doing very well. It's the fans are brilliant together. It's when it goes beyond the fans, it gets... Yeah. Well, the fans and the players have generally been all right, but the fans, particularly from every single country, generally have been fantastic together. It's been, uh, I have to admit, a pleasure. Good. And are you seeing lots of NPCs at the games you're covering? And what's the explanation you're hearing? Um, there have been quite a few NPCs at a number of the games. Um, and this is my sixth World Cup. And that has been the case at every single World Cup I've ever been to. Okay. <laughs> Not every game sells out. And that is just the way it is. I mean, a lot of the games are here are, are very early here, you know, and it's it's working days, etc. Um, I, I have to say, when I turned up for the the opening game, I thought this this feels plastic. This does not feel like real football. Um, but that was an opening ceremony, and I always I was trying to tell myself, look, opening ceremonies are always like that. Some of the atmospheres of some of the games I've been to have been among the best atmospheres I've been to for years. They've been amazing. I, I mentioned the fact that. Uh, that game, the game with uh, Poland and Saudi Arabia, I was at that one as well, and that was phenomenal. The, the, the Cameroon versus Serbia one, it wasn't full, but there was nothing wrong with the atmosphere. Mm. And, you know, because some of these stadiums are pretty big, and you won't always get, I mean, you don't always get 40, 50,000 every single game that you ever put on anywhere. If it sounds like I'm making an excuse for them, I'm not. What I'm doing is telling you what it's like and what it has been like at previous World Cups. Um, and again, it's a very, very small country, but the amount of people that have got here and are getting transported around the place, 
they've, they've actually organised pretty well. There's just, there are teething problems. There's things that have gone wrong. Um, certainly, the, I mean, that happened huge on goals that they've come up with, particularly you know the changing the drinking ban at the last minute and all that sort of stuff. And really, silly on goals, and also the whole thing about the armbands was such a mistake by the Qataris because had they just ignored it, they'd have gone away mm. really quickly. But because they didn't, massive amount of publicity and uh, that's uh, shooting themselves in the foot for that one. But you know, when that's gone behind, um, I t- tell you a story. I was doing shopping the other day there. And a guy came up to me in the queue and he just said, uh, you, you work for media? Yeah, yeah. Which one? Uh, BBC. And he goes, ah, please tell the people we are not like that. We are not like what you are saying. We read what was being said about us. It's not like us. And I said, well, you Qatari? He goes, no. I've just lived here for five or six years. I am a migrant worker. And he, was, he seems to have fairly well to do one. He just said, look, there are problems in this country, but it isn't the way it's been portrayed. Um, but I've only been here eight or nine days. Um, I'm keeping my eyes open as much as I possibly can to see if anything else is uh, questionable that's going on. But, you know, as, as a football tournament, it's kind of hard to find fault with the actual football uh, and the organisation of it. All the other stuff, the political stuff, I think from now to eternity, you're never going to get one without problems anymore. What are you making of the general standard of football? Um, I've, I, when I go to these games, I'm... Just so I can own up because I'm talking to, it's just you and me talking and one or two people listening, right? Mm. And the games I get sent to are the kind of uh, the, the others, if you know what I mean. You're a little off Broadway, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly doing the other ones. And I've always kind of done that. And I love it because I think a lot of people like to be at the big games with the big names and the rest of it. Isn't, they are not always the best games. And we see two different cultures and two different styles coming together. That's sometimes when it can be the most amazing. And one of my favourite things of any World Cup, and it's, it's always the case, and it's been the case this time, is, I mean, I do a show for BBC World Service called World Football. So I study World Football quite a lot. But I'm still finding players in every game I don't know. And I love them. <laughs> I mean, I really love them. I mean, I should know more, and my apologies for my ignorance, but I'd never seen the, 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 the striker for Iran as known. And what a player he is, by the way. Uh, he's played most of his career in Russia. Jesus, I come and watch that guy every single week. Um, and it's just all the way through it. It's just every team you watch. And yeah, we all know that Gabby and Pedri are among the most interesting. And, and I've got to see them in one game as well. And they will in time become great players. But I'm really, really intrigued to see all the other players that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily have seen. And then realised, wow, the quality is very good in some other countries and, and getting much, much closer. Mm. And then the boring question, I suppose, of the big boys and the big teams and the usual suspects, is anyone standing out to you? Well, it's just the three teams have got six points um, now after having played all the games. And it is France, it is Brazil, and tonight, obviously, Portugal as well. Um, I started with France long before the tournament. They've lost a whole bunch of players but I'm still with France. Um, they just seem a wee bit less flaky than everyone else. You know, the the others, Brazil, you mean, I heard in the, one of the, the, the games I was watching today and the, the commentator said that Brazil still haven't had a shot against them on target yet, which is <laughs> the same something. They're quite good. They know how to defend. They know how to hold the ball. So you, you're not writing any of these teams off at all. Um, but it wouldn't be great if, one of the unexpected teams actually got all the way to something like a semi-final. And we've been waiting for years and years, or I've been waiting for years and years for 
one of the African teams to do it. It, it doesn't look like it's the African teams this time. Well, it could be the African teams, but it could be more likely to be North Africa, um, which they look to themselves as, you know, Arab countries, you know, like to Morocco particularly. Um, they might be the ones that, and, and, and their standards. And that's the other thing, Getsy. Have you noticed this? So I'm going to change the subject completely here just for a second. The amount of players that turned up and you think, why were you not doing that before? You know, Ronaldo, I thought Ronaldo was great tonight, by the way. The effort, and we had a chat before about, you know, Ronaldo not putting the effort in week in, week out for Manchester United. But I've always thought, you do it for Portugal. By the way, put it in tonight for Portugal. Um, as someone who follows Chelsea closely, Hakim Ziyech, has he got a twin brother that plays for Chelsea? Mm. <laughs> and another one that plays, you know, it's, and there are quite a number of players that, and I think there is a part of it that, there are certain players around the world that it, it makes sure they're in perfect neck by the time they get to a World Cup and it, and it absolutely shows. Yeah. Rachel Daly is a striker. The end. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. She's got great passing range. She scores goals. She's great in the air. Brilliant in the air. Yeah. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Mbappe has turned up in extraordinary shape and I mean his numbers are just insane already 23 years of age and he has 30 goals for France so he scored his 7th World Cup goal uh, thus far so only Mbappe and Pele have scored 7 World Cup goals before the age of 25 like Messi has 8 and he's played 21 odd World Cup games whereas Mbappe 7 World Cup goals and I suspect it won't be his last this tournament somehow uh, he just looks phenomenal. We were making the point earlier, just chatting amongst ourselves, that because PSG aren't as front and centre in their lives, and because Erling Haaland has been the big talking point of the early weeks of the season, I kind of I was kind of forgetting a touch about just how awesome Mbappe is, and and even on the basis of these two games, thinking to myself, well, uh, Erling Haaland is is maybe the second best player in the world, but I think in Mbappe we're seeing the best. He looks incredible. He is incredible. One of the things to remember about, um, you know, certainly international football, sometimes you actually don't play against the best players. Sure. You know, I'm, with the best will in the world, the Australian defenders aren't the best defenders in the world and maybe neither are the Tunisian ones, you know, and you, you have to take that into account. But you st- you've said all the names there. He's right up there. And when you see him on the ball now and the danger that he can cause, I mean, he's a fabulous player, but take all the, that away and just think about his pace and it's just what? You know, it's burning up the turf and nobody can get near him. Um, but he seems to be, you know, on it as well. You know, there's been times when you've looked at him and he's, you know, playing for PSG and you've got the big names and you've always had big names around him. And you can see the nose slightly out of joint yeah. that he wasn't the main man. Whereas now, maybe even Benzema not being there, actually in a weird, weird way, might help him. Because they're all looking to him now. Uh, you, you be the main man. You be the the guy that de- delivers most of what we want. There's all great players around him. There are fabulous players around him, and that's and there's lots of reasons why I think you know um, the, the French are still the favourites for me. But there's no more reason than that that he is off the scale just now. And if he can keep himself fit, uh, it's very hard to see many people stopping him. Yeah, I agree with you completely. He's he's putting a marker down. It could be his World Cup. And like it's interesting how over the years club football has really come to the fore and international football is almost dismissed a touch now because when I compare Mbappe to Pele we're talking about Pele winning in 58 and 62 and then 70 and three World Cups and 
his iconic uh, status as well as the the thousand club goals and everything but his iconic status is built on his international career uh, that that doesn't feel as like as to the fore now when we talk about players but if mbappe wins this world cup at 23 having won the other one at the age of 19 and maybe as a third somewhere along the line i mean that eclipses anything he does at club level no um, I, I would argue that it does, but I think you, you probably need both of them now because of just the way the game is looked at. Um, certainly, international football had a different, bigger kind of kudos for a long time. Mm. Um, but there's there's no doubt in my mind the messy effect, the fact that he's never won it, and everyone keeps looking back and say, "Wow, Maradona won it," you know, and he almost won it on his own. So I think these top players look at that and think, "You know, I need to do it. I need to win it if I am to be." looked upon not just in the pantheon of greats of my time but the greats of all time um, and hence why Ronaldo's turned up and he won't be thinking he's you know second best and incapable and this time he's got a right good team behind him and real strength and depth behind him uh, but yeah Mbappe I'd, it's, I mean it's one of those players you, when you're an ex-player or when you're playing you think I'd play against anyone i try against anyone and then you look at someone like him and you think Nah, I don't know if I'd fancy that. Yeah. I would just knock the ball by you. Just unless I've got a motorbike, I don't think I'm going to catch him. So he's spectacular. I mean, he'll come in for some hits and he'll come in some some rough play eventually. And that's the other thing in the end that's going to make the big decision about this World Cup more than maybe any other. Strength and depth of squad is going to be gigantic because when you look at the fact that the French are not going to have to play all their main players in the next game. I and mean, then that is an enormous help to them. That's a staggering help to them. I was supposed to be doing uh, the, the France-Tunisia uh, game in, in the next round, but they've moved me on to the other one because actually it's got more riding on it. Um, and I was thinking, oh, I miss seeing Mbappe in the flesh. Actually, he probably won't play. Yeah. Let's be fair about it. And he'll be rested and he'll be flying by the round of 16. Interesting that when we were asking of the big boys who's caught your eye, England wasn't exactly rolling off your tongue. So what's your read on where they are? Because against Iran and you've rightly mentioned the Iranian players might not have been in a great headspace for that game but against Iran they did look genuinely impressive they did and I was hugely impressed with them and the fact that they went for that back four and they had to attack minded players out I'm like everybody else in the planet why are you not playing Foden um, I just don't get it because probably when you're trying to break down defences I don't know if there's a better player in England that, uh, you know an Englishman than him just now. His time will come. Gareth Southgate actually said that today. Um, but the fact that coming into the World Cup, they were so dull. And, you know, you can't actually turn on, off and on as easily as that. And even though they did play really well and they were lively and were quick and were sharp and everything was positive about them uh, against Iran, you have to take it into consideration what those players were going through. Mm. I'm not too sure I've known a group of players having to go through more than those Iranian players were going through for that game. So I would take a bit off. And then when I did get to see Iran playing against Wales, that's what made me think it's two different teams. I would be interested. And I got a wee bit stick with, I said, this uh, in the radio over here. Um, I said, but I'd love to see an England versus Iran game now mm. to see what it was like now, now that they are, you know, seem to have got their heads in a slightly better place. Um, and I, I, w- I would be interested in seeing that. I still, I mean, England might still win, but it wouldn't be sexy. No, because the US were pretty comfortable in the main. Yeah, and that was the, s- the surprise. US are okay. You, they're not a brilliant team. They're not a terrible team. They're just kind of okay. 
and the absolute expectation was England to have plenty to get by the US. And I have to say, I was surprised that the England were so, once again, quite dull against them. And a number of the players that turned up for the first game, when it was tighter against a group of, let's be fair, very, very strong, very, very fit, pretty well-organised players, they didn't have any answers at all. And no, they, they were impressive. And when you compare that with the Brazil, with the French, I think England are in the group below that, without a doubt. I don't think they're in that group. I presume you watched Spain, Germany last night. There is a talk about this Busquets, Pedri, Gavi midfield as being every bit as impressive potentially as the great trio that came before them. Busquets obviously part of both. Uh, so you referenced them as well as being pretty impressive. Where are Spain short uh, when it comes to going really, really deep in this tournament? Because so- something does feel just off. I know up front is generally pointed to as the issue. I think that's the easy issue to point to and it yeah. may well be part of it. Um, but I'm not sure it's the entire issue. Uh, I, I I do love what I'm seeing from Gavi and Pedri. Um, Busquets is not going to be there forever, but I like what I'm seeing there. And they are trying to rebuild a, a, a new dynasty. And it's in definitely in a mirror of the previous dynasty. <coughs> Excuse me. But they're not there yet. I mean, they're absolutely not there yet. They're very, very young. And it showed against the Germans that they weren't able to dominate possession for the vast majority of the game. And the Germans have been no great shakes themselves, but they were up for that game and just their robust play and their physicality was enough to eventually put the, the Spanish in the back foot. When they, that previous great Spanish team were at the best, kind of nobody was touching them really. They were so far ahead and they were so good at it. Mm. So it takes a while. You can't expect it to happen overnight. And before the tournament... I thought, well, actually, it's a tournament too early for them, but they'll grow into it. Um, after the first game, I thought, oh, God, I could be proved wrong there. And I might still be proved wrong, but I suspect it is just one tournament too early for some of those young players. OK, so what's in the menu tomorrow? Where are you? <coughs> well, well, I don't know if you've, you've probably noticed I'm coughing quite a bit, right? It's yeah. this weird thing, you know, everybody around here is coughing, right? And I, I don't think it's COVID, right? You live your life in air conditioning. So you can see you're coughing all the time. And the fact that I've now done six games in six days, I have to tell you, I'm having a day off tomorrow. What with one possible caveat. I am trying my best to get a ticket in with the fans for the Iran versus USA game. And if I can be there, I don't care where I am. I want to be in there and I want to find it. So... Uh, I'm having a day off tomorrow nice. unless I can get a ticket for that game, okay. which um, I have a suspicion I might just get. Yeah, great. Are the air-conditioned stadiums working a treat? Are they cool? Yeah, yeah. This, this, it's kind of weird. It's, uh, it's the strangest thing when you're you're outside and you're boiling. I mean, really boiling. You walk in, obviously indoors is cool, and then you sit up in the commentary positions. We're quite high up away from the field. It's freezing, honestly. So the air condition is right behind you. It comes through these little holes <clears throat> and it's all the way through the stadium. And I have to say, I burst out laughing the other day when they're doing the adverts all around uh, Qatar just now. And they're saying, the world's first ever carbon neutral World Cup. <laughs> Honestly, I just about spat out my tea when I write two chances. Well, um, but it seems to be working for them. God, mate, I mean, incredible. Like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's just extraordinary. It's incredible. But the thing is, with this country, this it, it, nothing. It's a wee bit like um, it's like Arabian Disneyland. That's what it's like. Yeah. You know, some the buildings are unbelievable, 
but they're only a few years old. And even the ancient ones are only six or seven years old. They're made to look ancient as Arabian Disneyland. Um, and they can do just about anything with the money they've got. And some of the stadiums, I've never seen anything like them. Honestly, it's just extraordinary the way they look. And, uh, and apparently they're taking most of them back down the game when they're finished. Um, I think the phrase money is no object is, is the case. And uh, if they say they'll make a stadium air conditioned, they'll do it. And yeah. they have. Well, on the um, and we'll finish in this point on the carbon footprint, there's a, the Sunday Business Post newspaper over here yesterday. Matt Cooper, broadcaster and journalist over here, had a brilliant piece. And there, there aren't enough of these pieces about the carbon footprint of this tournament. And in it, there was an expert from a university in the UK who'd been looking very closely at the situation. And the line which jumped out, instead of just giving numbers and 10 million tonnes and all that kind of business, the line which jumped out is that this World Cup has the largest carbon footprint of any event in human history outside of war. That doesn't shock me, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. I mean, most of it, everyone who's getting, every single group of fans just about who's getting here is a, a flying over them, you know, massive jets. Every single place, every single house, every single underground, every single, they've, they've built the whole system of metros, which is beautiful, but the whole thing is of a scale that's unthinkable to actually do in the West now. Um, so the, the concept of it's carbon neutral is is, is really, really ridiculous, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, because you, you have to take into account everything that has been built to prep for it as well. Um, but on the other hand, had they not done it right, everyone would have been complaining that you're not capable of putting on a World Cup. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that with the Qataris, they're damned if they do and if they're damned if they don't once again. Pat Nevin, we'll talk again. Thanks so much. See you then. Take care. Cheers. Pat Nevin with us uh, live from Qatar. Our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.